Hey everyone, welcome back to Global Blue Nosers, the podcast about everyday people around the world whose lives have been shaped by the province of Nova Scotia. I'm your host, Sean Meister. And before we get started today, uh, just a reminder that our first in-person Global Blue Nosers meetup is happening this October in Dallas, Texas. So if you're a Nova Scotian or a Nova Scotian by choice living in Dallas, come on out to meet your fellow Blue Nosers living in the city. The link to grab your free tickets is in the show notes. So today we have our first guest living in Germany, which I'm really excited about. Uh, not only is it a country I've always loved, but Global Blue Nosers has a pretty good-sized audience there, too. Uh, in fact, our fifth largest community of listeners is in Germany. So I'm excited to feature one of those listeners as today's guest. Natalie Erb was born and raised in New Brunswick, but has been connected to Nova Scotia since childhood. Uh, having spent several family holidays in Halifax, visiting every winter for figure skating competitions, and then later moving to attend Dalhousie University, she feels she's more than earned the honorary Blue Noser badge, which I'll just say right now, she definitely has. So congratulations, Natalie. You are definitely a Blue Noser. Uh, now living in Frankfurt, Natalie is newly married and works in marketing. So going into the conversation, uh, especially one like this where I've never uh, spoken to someone face-to-face uh, -face before, uh, it can actually be pretty nerve-wracking. Uh, you you never know how it's going to go, whether there's going to be chemistry or anything like that. Definitely something I've learned since starting the show. Um, but it was so easy to see that Natalie is like through and through a maritimer right away. We just started, we went right into it and had a, I felt like we had a great chat. So I'm not going to keep you from hearing what I think is a really good conversation. Um, so let's roll that Black Matilda theme song and get to the episode. Well, the sun was setting in the west and the birds were singing on every tree. And no, they just seemed inclined for rest, but still there was no rest for me. I grieve to leave my native land. I grieve to leave my All right, Natalie, thanks so much for joining me. Great to great to connect. We were, you know, just chatting before uh before you know hit record on this. It's like I've got sort of a bit of an affinity for for Germany. So I'm super excited that you're my first guest from from Germany. So thanks for taking the time to to do that. Oh, I'm really excited to talk about I guess all things Deutsch today and relation to the Maritimes. So yeah, that's gonna. I think this this is this is getting off on a good start. So the the German maritime connection, but um, you know, to to sort of set the framework for everybody, let's let's talk about. So you're in you're in Frankfurt, but let's set the stage. Tell everyone uh, sort of your story of how you got from the Maritimes to Germany and and what part Nova Scotia has played in that. Um, okay, so I guess I'll just start from the beginning. So um, I was born in St. John, New Brunswick, um, and I was uh, raised um, about 40 kilometers outside the city in a place called Kingston. Um, I stayed there until I was about 20. So I did my first two years of university at UNBSJ. 
And then one weekend, I think it was in the first semester of my second year, I went down to Halifax to see a friend who was at Dalhousie. And that weekend was just like, okay, so how do I transfer from UMBSJ to Dalhousie? Because I want to live in Halifax. I had spent a lot of time there as a child. Um, we had gone down for a few family holidays and I used to compete every winter at Skate Dartmouth at the Dartmouth Sportsplex. Um, so I always had some sort of connection to Nova Scotia. So once I finally found a window to move there, I was like, let's just take this. Um, so that was in 2009 when I finally moved to Halifax and um, attended Dalhousie, graduated with my BA in 2012 alongside Eugene Levy, actually. He got an honorary degree that year. So um, I wasn't going to go to my convocation, but then they announced he was coming and I was like, oh, I'd be ridiculous to miss this. So um did that, worked for a couple of years in Nova Scotia. Um, but the year I graduated, I wanted to treat myself, um, you know, for having gotten through it all. So I thought, okay, I want to see, uh, the Red Hot Chili Peppers had released an album that year. And I was like, I want to see them, but I also want to go to Europe. And like Canadian travel is very expensive. Like, you know, it can cost you quite a bit to go to Toronto, but you could just apply that fund and go in the opposite direction and see five countries for the same price. So I was like, okay, I'm going to kill two birds with one stone here. And I found um, a concert in Athens, Greece. So I bought the tickets and I was like, okay, great. I have the tickets, but how do I get to Europe now? So um, I went down to the, uh, what was it called? I think the flight center, is that yep. still a thing? That's right. Okay. Um, I went down to the flight center and I was like, what's your cheapest flight to Europe? And they said, Frankfurt. And I was like, okay, what's in Frankfurt? And I'm not joking. The agent said, there's not a lot there. There's just a lot of banks and a lot of crime. So I suggest you just get a like immediate flight somewhere else. And I was just like, okay. So that was, I took her advice at first and spent a few months looking for flights. And then I thought, hey, if I'm flying into Germany, I should just stay for a few days so I can, you know, say I've been to the country. Um, so I did that and... I just had a love at first sight moment leaving the train station. And I looked at the contrast of this incredibly modern skyline with high, you know, skyscrapers and stuff contrasted to the old style European architecture. And I thought, I need to stay here. So, uh, yeah, three years later, I moved. <laughs> so th there's, there's, so, there's so much I love, I love in that. So first of all, the, the thing that gets you to Europe was the red hot chili peppers. Awesome. <laughs> That's, yeah. <laughs> that's just great. Um, second, the description of Frankfurt of just banks and crime. Like, but she, she's not wrong. That's the thing. Like, there is quite a bit of crime here, but there is everywhere. And yeah, <laughs> it just I, I I'm just imagining that interaction. It's like what an interesting way to frame up. It's like I guess I'm going to Frankfurt to see banks and crime. That's not the tourist uh, slogan that I'm sure that they are going for. No, not at all. And I mean, when you think of traveling to Germany, you default to Munich or you think of Berlin. You don't think of Frankfurt. So, yeah, it was that was it. <laughs> and I find that interesting because, like, I've only ever transited through Frankfurt. Like, I've never like it's, you know, it's the hub, um, you know, to, to get into to Germany internationally unless you're doing the, the flight into to Munich. So, yeah, like I, I actually don't have much of a frame of reference on Frankfurt. All I've ever seen is the inside of the airport. So, um, but yeah, so may maybe tell, educate me a little bit. Tell me a little bit about Frankfurt. 
Um, well, I mean, like you said, it is a hub actually, which is actually why I ended up buying or booking that ticket because it's, I think it's like the third biggest airport on the continent. Um, I mean, the city itself has about 850,000 people. So it looks very big, but it's actually quite small, which is nice because this is the biggest city I've lived in. And as a Maritimer, like, you know, Halifax was the biggest before moving here. And I remember moving to Halifax and just being like, oh my God, they have a building higher than 10 stories. This is crazy. <laughs> and then coming here, I'm like actually hurting my neck trying to look at the top of these buildings. So um, it is a very international city. Um, like I have obviously a lot of German friends, but I also have friends from every other country actually. Um, so it's really like, a, you know, we say it's a city for everyone. And you really kind of have that feeling when you're here because there's a lot of money, of course, but there's also a lot of students here um, and there's everything in between. So it's a really, it's a really nice place to live. Um, it's a great place to visit for a day or so, um, but to live, it's a really fantastic city. Okay. So I got, I got to know. So what was that? And you kind of, you kind of said it, but it's like, for me, I grew up in rural Nova Scotia and I remember like any time I went to a to a city, it blew my mind when I was in my 20s. Um, like the, the story I always tell is I went to Acadia. So I went from New Ross, Nova Scotia, which is like a farming town um, where there's just like an intersection and a, and a home hardware to Wolfville. And I remember being so excited because there was a Subway restaurant. I felt like I was in a metropolis. <laughs> I I can identify with that so hard. <laughs> and so then when I like anytime going into Halifax, I was like, wow. And then I moved to Calgary and I was like, I do not know what's going on in my life. So to get to a place like Frankfurt, what was that for, what were those feelings like as a, as a maritime or landing in a city like that? Well, I mean, I have to be entirely honest. Um, of course, like the Maritimes will always have a very special place in my heart, but I remember feeling from a very young age, like, I just wanted not more that the Maritimes could offer, but something different mm -hmm. because I think the Maritimes are perfect as they are. And I hate every time I go home, I see stuff growing and I'm like, no, go back. You were great before. So, you know, it wasn't like, I don't know. It was, yeah, I always just wanted something bigger actually. And I always thought when I was a kid, oh, I'll just move to Toronto someday. But um, I think as I got older and I start, started kind of understanding, um, the way life can be in other parts of the world and that it is accessible. I started thinking, okay, well, where else could I possibly go? And to be honest, my initial idea was to move to Italy um, because how romantic is that? You know, it's a great country, great architecture, amazing history, wonderful food. Um, but I, I defaulted to Germany because of reliability. Mm -hmm. um, there's a good social system here. Um, you know, there's healthcare, free university, like there's, an option for everything. So for me, it was just kind of going after the life that I wanted. Um, and I knew it was going to be hard. And I kept reminding myself, like, because I moved here not knowing anybody. I moved here with my cat. Um, and I had a few friends, but I didn't have anybody really responsible for me. And that's very intimidating. But something that just kind of helped me keep on getting over it was like, people have to do this in situations where they have no choice. So, you know, when it comes to refugees, they have to leave. And if they can do it, there's no reason why I can't make this choice that I have the privilege to make for myself. And if it doesn't work out, I can go home. It's fine. Um, so it was a lot of like building up the courage to do it because it's not like Germany's the most, um, it's not an easy country to immigrate to, but um, especially with the language. But uh, yeah, it was a lot of, I guess, mind over matter. 
Yeah. Uh, as as somebody, you know, we were talking beforehand. I've got a house full of pets. I have to ask, how did the cat adjust to the to the transition? Oh my god! Um, so I I actually had the idea to bring her because I had flown twice from Halifax into Frankfurt, and every flight I was like, these people are always bringing their pets. So this must mean I can do the same thing if I wanted to move. So I got all the paperwork in order, um, and she's a very emotionally fragile cat so if you like bring new fruit into the house she gets stressed out if you if the sun goes down five minutes earlier she's done for like she's very reactive so I was very on the I would say a week or so of adjusting to I think just the different smells the different environment and the time zone but she's she's still kicking she seems to quite like it so thriving in frankfurt it's the 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 city for cats (laughs) i don't think she knows she's not in canada anymore but yeah (laughs) i think they're smarter than we give them credit for but um so we we are going to get to nova scotia i mean it's the whole point of the show but i i'm also asking all i i also want to i so i was in germany uh last fall and uh i found an interesting topic of conversation between the Germans and the Canadians. It was kind of like a study tour that we were on was the Deutsche Bahn, uh, the train system. And so me as a maritimer and kind of used to transit in Canada, I was like, Oh my God, I'm never, I don't have to get in a car at all. And every German I was with was just like railing, pardon the pun railing on Deutsche Bahn. So I need to get your take on the German rail system. Oh, this is so funny you're saying this because we literally have, uh, my husband has a student in his studio right now who got to Frankfurt late today because of Deutsche Bahn and we were complaining about the system. So when I was a backpacker here, I praised Deutsche Bahn um, because like you said, like we don't have this, sort of infrastructure really anywhere in the Maritimes. Um, Of course, there's Halifax Transit and there are options, but there are not options in comparison to what we have here. So the first couple times visiting, I was just so in love with it. And the first couple of years, I was also very um, like, wow, this is awesome. I don't have to drive. Um, Not anymore. I would have to say that I've actually had relatively good experiences. I haven't really had much, um, many problems in terms of like missing a connection and having to run from platform one all the way to platform 24 or something in a matter of three minutes. Um, But there are so many insane cancellations happening all the time. They go on strike quite often. So this also, you know, causes a lot of delays and stuff. Um, I have a love-hate relationship, I think I'd have to say at this point. Like, um, yeah, I, I don't know what to say aside from, yeah, their trains go very fast, but that is depending on whether or not they're running at all. So, okay. So that lines up entirely with the comments that were said to me. And, and, I, and I will say for the most part, like had really good experience with Deutsche Bahn, uh, on my, yeah. la- my last trips to Germany back in 2020, a, a train from Berlin to Munich, um, there was something going on, maintenance or a, a random closure. And we got sent on this random roundabout way. And it was like, I think we were like 
five hours late getting to to Munich. So like there was that, but I, I always, I found it the most fascinating thing to talk about Deutsche Bahn, just bringing it up and you just see these reactions. So I had to, I had to see. I mean, yeah, I think we've all experienced like so many delays for so many different reasons. I mean, there's, I don't know, like a, a person, uh, almost, I, I forget the word in English. Um, oh my God. I'm so embarrassed right now. I want to say personnel, but I don't think that's the right word, but like the people that work there, yeah. there's a shortage of that right now. So that causes a lot of delays. Um, yeah, it's, uh, you know what, it's life. What, what I've come to realize is that no matter where you choose to go in the world, you're going to have something to complain about. Yep. And all I'm complaining about is the train service. I'm, I'm doing pretty well, I think. So I think that's a, a perfect perspective to have. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. So back back to the maritimes uh we'll yeah. after we're done talking and recording we'll talk even more about germany um but in so you know you're you're a new brunswicker by by upbringing uh spent lots of time in nova scotia moved here to the to the province um for people that might not know how, how would you describe the differences between new brunswick and nova scotia i have been mulling over this question since you sent it to me last week and i I think I came up with sort of the best analysis is that I feel people in Nova Scotia are just a tad bit more relaxed because you're never too far from the ocean. So you always have that proximity of sort of maritime coastal feeling. And I think the ocean, the sounds of the water just calms a lot of people down. And I think that actually helps a lot. Whereas, you know, sure, Fredericton has the river, but it's not the ocean. You know, so it's and, and you're so landlocked in that regard. Luckily, I'm from very close to like the the coast in New Brunswick. So I always had it on both sides when, you know, living in Nova Scotia and New Brunswick. But I would have to say that's probably the biggest difference. And I think there's a bit more polarization in New Brunswick just because of the language barriers. Um, so the Francophone versus Anglophone debate. So I think that causes a lot of um, disenfranchisement between people. So um yeah, I, I would say that's the biggest. I, but both provinces are full of amazing people. And I always say to Germans over here, when I'm trying to describe people from home, I say, you know, you think of the stereotypical Canadian of being ultra nice and very warm and welcoming and doesn't lock their doors. They're like, yes. I'm like, that's the people that I grew up with. Those are Maritimers. Like, they're the ultra nice ones. And they actually need it. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I think Canadians in general are nice, but I mean, I've lived around Canada and like, you know, there's, I guess in comparison to the Maritimes, there are times that there are parts of Canada that feel less welcoming and, and nice than, than what you might get in, in the Maritimes. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's not a criticism. It's just, you know, I think there are just those slight nuanced differences between the different regions and stuff. So, yeah. Yeah. That's the main difference for me between New Brunswick and Nova Scotia. Well, and I think it's, I've always found the relationship between New Brunswick and Nova Scotia is interesting. Um, it's, competitive. it's competitive, which, you know, for me, you know, when I was working in economic development and even just now and what I'm doing around promotion, part of me sometimes is like, we probably shouldn't be so competitive when we're like two of the smallest provinces and we should probably like work together as opposed to against each other. 
that's a, maybe a topic for another day, but it is interesting the level of competition between the provinces. Um, and so for me, growing up, I had my jokes about about you know New Brunswick, uh, and I still throw them out every so often. But you know, for you growing up in in New Brunswick, you know, and visiting Nova Scotia, what was what was your impression of of this province? Um, so growing up in No Funswick, um, <laughs> just a joke. I was. I thought that might get a laugh out of you. So, I mean, we would watch live at five every evening, you know, at the dinner table eating supper, actually. And um, of course, because it's like a Halifax produced like segment, it's mostly Nova Scotia based news, which makes sense. And I always had this feeling growing up that it was just like, they think they're so much better than us. Like, you know, it's like that Jersey versus New York thing. Like, what? You think you're better than me? Like, kind of that thing. So. I always had this feeling, but I mean, like I said, once I kind of, once I grew up and actually moved there, I was like, people don't actually think that it's just, they're doing their own thing. And I don't know, sometimes it's hard not to look at your neighbor's garden Mm -hmm. and make that comparison. Um, But I mean, like I said, people on both sides of the border, they're fantastic. So yeah, it's, it is really funny about um, Canadian regionalism. And this is something I always would talk to people internationally is like, I was like, yes, you know, Canada is a, is a, is a country of regions and, and, and identities. But I was like, when you really dig in on it, like the level of micro regionalism in Canada is crazy. Cause it's like, so just like what you're saying. So for me, I grew up about an hour and a half outside of Halifax. And so for me, I would watch live at five and be like, oh, of course, it's another story about Halifax. Like not, no one's talking about r- rural Nova Scotia unless it's like somebody's got like a random story about a chicken or something like that. And yeah. uh, so it's like, there'd be that otherness. But then like as a province, we'd be like, you know, look to Ontario and be like, oh, they think they're so great. So it's like this constant competition and like comparison to the other regions and places. So that's kind of funny that you'd look at and be like, of course, it's all about Nova Scotia. Yeah. And I mean, I th- I ha- I'd be lying if I said I didn't feel like a slight sense of superiority when I moved to Halifax because um, I'm the oldest in my family. So um, I was the first kid to like, you know, flee the nest and stuff. And I think my, my parents were happy for me. Of course, they wanted me to stay home. Um, my dad was extremely happy for me, although like he missed me quite a bit. Um, but I just felt like, okay, this is more, this is offering me more than what I, I've been trying to get at home. So, you know, it, it was kind of like that age old breakup thing. It's like, it's not you. It's just, it's me. I need this over here. So, yeah. Which is, is very similar to what I hear a lot for people that have moved internationally from, from the region. It's like, it's nothing against the the region it's like you know you're you're striving for something that you can get maybe a version of it in Halifax or in St. John or Fredericton but you need to go to the Frankfurt's the Munich's or the London's of the world maybe to get that level that you were striving for so it's it's interesting kind of like you kind of did stages of it uh to to get to where you are yeah, it's been it's been an interesting journey, I'd have to say. I just never thought it'd be ending up here, but here we are. So that's it that is a, a common thread. Um so when I was looking into into your background on on LinkedIn, because I do everything through through LinkedIn, I saw that you know you got quite involved in the community in Halifax doing volunteering and stuff like that. So for for you, I mean, A, you know, what motivates you to want to give back to a community, but and B, what did getting involved in a new city sort of teach you about that city through through those experiences 
That's a really great question. Um, so I knew, like I spent, I did quite a bit of volunteering in Halifax, but I think I spent the longest time at the library as an adult literacy tutor. And um, so just to rewind a bit, like in my childhood, my father was on disability. Um, he had an accident at work, um, so he couldn't work, but he did spend a lot of time volunteering. So I have a lot of memories of my childhood of my dad and I going to um, like senior centers and talking to people and me doing puzzles with older people and just, you know, spending our time like that, giving back to the community, so to speak. Um, so I always have had this sort of like need to give back some way. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of different things you can do in terms of volunteering, but I thought, hey, like, I think reading is extremely important. And I saw a much higher, mind you, this was years ago, and I saw a much higher concentration of like new arrivals to the country um, in Halifax than I had seen before. And I thought to myself, well, if I ever go abroad one day, I'd want to have some sort of support to learn how to read or write or whatever it is. So I did this. Um, and what it taught me about Halifax was just how, I think in the Maritimes as a whole, what I learned was just how much, it was so heartbreaking to learn how much illiteracy there existed at the time. I, I, I can't say for certain these were the stats, but I remember something around 20, 25% in each Maritime province as the illiteracy rate. And that was very shocking to me because you literally can't do anything without being able to read. I mean, of course you can rely on what are, what's everybody else doing? What are these signs trying to tell me? But it's very isolating otherwise. So I wanted to do what I could by offering that to some people. So I really started seeing, I guess, uh, class disparity and things like this through my volunteering. And it didn't reflect negatively on the city. It just kind of showed me how a city actually functions, how it does take all kinds to make up a city and stuff like this. So I think that's really what it taught me um, I, I really enjoyed my time there. I had a hard time leaving. Of course I left because I moved here. Um, but yeah, it was really some, it was a very rewarding experience. I'd have to say. No. And it's interesting you say that about the, the literacy piece. Cause I, again, you know, when you grow up in a bit of privilege, you don't really recognize that. And it was, um, on it was actually my trip to Germany where I really started to see some things because I spent uh, over two weeks in Germany. It was one of the longest trips I've spent overseas. And the number of times I ended up in a situation where had I not had the German speakers with me, like I, I felt illiterate. Um, like I, I couldn't, I couldn't maneuver around in some cases and I felt really helpless. So, you know, to hear you say that, I'm like, I, it's it's really important as communities that we we make sure people can navigate their communities because yeah I I don't know where I would have ended up if I hadn't had the Germans with me in, uh, when I was traveling. Yeah, and I mean it, it's not even just even about illiteracy. I remember one of my students um, came in once and he was in an absolute panic because uh, the company he was working for had just switched their schedules to the twenty four hour clock. And he did not understand this. He didn't understand how to read this time. And he was so distraught. And I just remember thinking, oh, my God, like, I just, oh, I'm so happy I can be here for this person. But how many other people are slipping through the cracks just breaks your heart to think about it. So, yeah. And I mean, I actually arrived in Germany during the Syrian refugee crisis, like at the literal same time as this all happening. So I did see a lot of it happening around me. And yeah, it's, um, it's very confronting, actually. Yeah. Yeah, it's very confronting. So 
it's not a nice topic to talk about, but it's necessary in order to fix these things so we can prevent this in the future from happening, you know? Well, I mean, if we only ever talked about the really nice things, you're not really moving things forward, right? Um, so no, the, exactly. it's the uncomfortable conversations that identify the areas that you have to focus on the most. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah, no, it's that is something, I, you know, I think some of those rates have definitely improved. And I don't have the most common ones, but like for me, I, I grew up on the South shore and I live, I live in the South shore now down near Lunenburg. And, you know, I had to confront an, an awkward reality when I moved home in that realizing that say this region of the province had one of the highest levels of child poverty in the country. And I was, I grew up completely ignorant to that. And I felt so, um, I felt really ashamed that I just had lived my life without recognizing that because no one talked about it ever. No one talked about it. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of New Brunswickers have had the same sort of realization. Um, St. John is a very small city. There's about, Oh my God, I don't know how many now I'd say 70,000 people. I could be wrong, but it's in that ballpark area and it's, it's second in the country with child poverty, hmm. but the Irvings live there and they're billionaires. So I yeah. don't know. I'm not very, you know, I, I'll leave it at that. You can do the math. Um, but it's it's so confronting to, to to be like, there's so much wealth here and there's just no distribution for it. And there's so much education available, but it's just, there's a distribution problem. Yeah. And it's, it's very confronting when you realize like, okay, your rose colored glasses are taken off and you realize what's actually happening around you. It's very, yeah, it's confronting. No, it's, it's, it's so that's really interesting. But um all right, so to, to to pivot a little bit, but in talking about sort of your volunteerism, um, against it, it, it got into a little bit of that sense of community, and and I think that's a big part of the identity in in this part of the country is community is so critical. So, um, I found I find that a lot of people that move away, you know, really want that sense of community as well when in their new homes so for you like you said frankfurt is a really international city lots of people from but have you been have you come across many other people from the maritimes around frankfurt or uh, other parts of germany where you've been well actually i maybe i should just back up and explain kind of oh, there's so there is a direct flight from halifax to frankfurt and this primarily exists because there's so many germans who spend their summers in nova scotia um, so on all these flights, I've met countless people who married a Maritimer or, you know, live there part-time, whatever, just because they love it so much. Um, but I have met a few Maritimers here. Um, maybe, do you know Kaylin O'Neill actually? She's a bit of a travel blogger. Um, she was kind of like a really, I would say a very popular YouTuber in the early 2010s with travel blogging and stuff. And I think a few months after I moved here, she wrote me and said, hey, I'm coming to Frankfurt. Do you want to meet? So I met her. Um, we went out for uh, pizza. And I think the next time we met, we went out for Duner kebab, like the very popular, like the German version of the Donair without the Donair sauce, you know? Um, so I met her. Um, I was in a pub once and I heard this guy talking and I was just like, that's a Maritimer. So I asked him, where are you from? And he goes, well, I'm from Alberta. And I was like, no, you're not. And he goes, well, I'm actually from the East Coast. And I was like, nice. And so we started talking. Anyway, long story short, it turns out that his parents owned the restaurant that my great aunt goes to every Sunday after church. So this was a crazy run-in situation. I honestly, my mind was blown that night. Um, and I actually, last year, um, a fellow Dalhousie alumni, uh, 
I think it was about a, six weeks, uh, he was playing pro basketball here in Germany. Um, so we met up several times a year and um, we definitely had a few maritime kitchen parties kick off a few times, you know, turn on the Jill Plaskett and get some beers out or something. But definitely I've had a few of those encounters and it's always nice um, because there have been moments of homesickness. Um, and it's nice to be able to tap into that sense of community and um, I guess kind of, yeah, bring home to where yeah. you are. Do you have any sort of, you know, tried and true methods for when that homesickness starts to come up? So obviously the sense of community would one, be one thing, but are there any things that you kind of, you know, revert back to, to, to help when, if, if that flares up? Absolutely. Um, so there's actually, Germans have just discovered it within the last five years, poutine. And there's a few poutine chains around the country. So um, I tend to indulge in a poutine. Um, and there's actually quite a few kiosks that sell, I don't know why, but they sell Moosehead Lager. Yeah. I yeah. had Moosehead in Berlin at a poutine place. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's so like, do you know that scene on Wayne's World when they finally build the new Wayne's basement in the actual proper studio and Garth's very tripped out and he's like it's like we're in Wayne's basement but that's not Wayne's basement that's how it feels when those things happen for me here I'm like I feel like I'm at home but I know I'm not <laughs> so it's you know it's it's an interesting experience so I do things like that I'll put on the tragically hit maybe um I mean there's a number of things just a simple call home will help sometimes but I mean, I haven't felt a whole lot of homesickness because I do manage to visit home every year. Um, but I think I think the worst that I ever felt was um, just during the first few months of the pandemic when I knew I couldn't go home and I didn't know when that was going to happen. That felt very, like, very, very um, restricting. That wasn't a good feeling. So I remember hearing from a lot of the people in my sort of network of, of Nova Scotians around the world especially those early days in the pandemic when people started to realize that this thing wasn't going away anytime soon. Um, and actually I had a lot of conversations that were, you know, really heartbreaking. Cause like it was, they were really confronting that for the first time of like, I can't go home. Um, yep. And like, I couldn't, I couldn't help them except, you know, be an accent on the other side of the phone um, to, to hear and, and, and talk about home. But yeah, that, that one, that one really hurt for me. It's like hearing people talk about just how helpless it felt to, to not be able to come back. Oh, I mean, I actually, I have a very tragic story that actually like as a result of the pandemic, it robbed me of my last chance of seeing my dad healthy before he passed away. And the moment that the government, you know, announced that they were going to be letting internationals travel back, we booked our tickets. Um, but then I had to go home about four weeks early to be with him. Um, and then he, you know, passed away about six weeks later. So the pandemic took that from me. And I don't think I'll ever really accept that or get over that. Um, but there were, it was so nice to be able to just, I don't know, spend time I guess, reflecting and getting excited about the things that I miss so much about home. And it did make, even though it was a very, very difficult situation, it did make going home a little bit nicer because it had been so long for me. Um, in fact, actually, my husband, we weren't married at the time, but he also came home on that trip. But I had to go home first. And when I met him at the airport in Halifax, uh, he looked at me and the first thing he said is, oh, my God, people are so nice here. He's from England and they're quite nice too, but it's a different kind of nice. And I was like, yes. And then I started speaking to him and he goes, 
you have your Maritimer accent back as well. He was so impressed with it because I don't think I have it much anymore. I've had to try to neutralize it um, so people can understand me and vice versa. Um, but I guess I readopted my Maritimer accent when I was home. I didn't realize it. I didn't hear it, of course. But I mean, even before we started the podcast today, you said about a few times and I thought, oh my God, there it is. That's the accent. I never heard it when I lived there. I thought you guys are all gaslighting us. We don't say a boot. Yeah. But we do. <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah. So, sometimes the stereotypes have a kernel of truth and, uh, it's, uh, it was one of those things that that my wife from being from Ontario, she always used to laugh when we were living away whenever I'd call home. And she's like, man, I can tell you're talking to someone from home. She's like, that gets so thick. She's like, I don't even know what you're saying sometimes. <laughs> yeah, I think my yeah, Paul has struggled a few times um, at home and they struggled to understand him. But luckily, I'm there to translate. Yeah, yeah it's uh, <laughs> and my, my mom's a Newfoundlander. So she she brings out a whole other side to me. Um, so that's the thing for me is sometimes when I'm talking, I've got the blend of like no rural Nova Scotia and, and Newfoundlander. And, um, so if I'm in a group of Maritimers and everyone's talking fast, like maritime speed, then the Newfoundlander starts to come out at me and it's a whole other level. It's actually, it's, if it was in any other environment, it'd be very embarrassing because it just, it kicks off. Oh, it's so, I love it. Honestly, I just, I just, I really my heart feels so fuzzy and warm when I hear it. I can really pick it out now. Before moving here, I couldn't pick it out, but now it's just so. Oh, I mean, you could you could probably hear it from like a block away on on a if you were in a city and you heard someone talking and they they had a maritime or accent, you'd pick that up and be like, over that way, someone from the Maritimes. An accent, or it depends on their footwear. I've picked out two. Haligonians, um, because they were wearing blundstones. I said, okay, they're either Israeli or they're from Halifax, <laughs> both from Halifax. Because the Israelis wear them all the time too. So I was just like, they're either from there or they're from home. So. Which I, I, I have to laugh because the only, pretty much the only pair of footwear I have is blundstones. <laughs> Shocker. <laughs> I have some too. So. Oh, that's good. That's good. Oh my goodness. Um, <laughs> So, I mean, I think we, we've definitely been getting to, to this, but I, I like to ask the question outright. I mean, for you, like, how would you describe the the impact that, that Nova Scotia, and, and you can broaden it to the Maritimes, but, you know, for this show specifically, like, what's been the impact on your life of having experienced and having Nova Scotia part of your life? Oh, my God. That is such a loaded question. I mean, I spent... You know, I did spend formative years in Halifax, so I really do think that it it steered me into the direction of the person I've become and the person I'll become in the future, you know, so much. I'm not a born and bred Nova Scotian, but I'm pretty honorary, I think. So um, I, I feel very, yeah, I feel very connected to it. I hear a bagpipe and I just want to cry sometimes because it just sounds like home or every time I see the color blue, I just think of Nova Scotia. Um and it's just, I think there's so much to be said about, so of course, yeah, I'm a foreigner abroad, but I've been able to forge my own community um, of friends, of people who have become, you know, chosen family because I'm away from my family and stuff like this. And I really think that having been um, born and raised in the Maritimes and having spent time in Nova Scotia, it's taught me so much about why community is important and how you can sustain it, if that makes sense. So. You know, like 
I moved here was a single woman for a while with this aging cat. And I was just like, I need community. I need people to help me raise her. Cause if I want to go on holiday, if I want to go home, I need to figure out solutions for this. So, you know, and I've, I've, I've made amazing friends here. And I, I really think that a lot of this, um, I guess comes from having been born and raised in a place where everyone just values community so much and just celebrating each other and things like this. So yeah, I think that's, yeah, I think that'd be my answer. Yeah, that hits right at the core for, for me. And, and and it's it's lines up with what I hear from so many other people, just that, what that, that, that the importance of community, where that, what that plays in your life and how that impacts you and molds you into who you are. It's, it's, it's really a common thread throughout the Maritimes. And so um, I'm really glad you said that because it's, it, it totally makes sense. And and for the last little bit of the, and we've got a few more minutes here, I'm going to kind of pivot off of the sense of community because one of the things in, in the Maritimes is a core part of community is like food, drink, and music. Um, if you're going to, if you're going to do anything around community, you've got to have something to eat, something to drink and something to listen to. Um, that's, that's absolutely critical. And I'm going back to, you mentioned about a uh, donor kebab. Uh, I remember, so I don't compare it to Donaire. And like, I remember people asking me about that, but I had it in Munich and it was really good. Um, and so it's like, it's different and great. So, you know, that's a good, good thing to have there if you need to, to, to fill that need for, for something close to Donaire. But what kind of like, what kind of foods, drinks, things like that are you maybe missing about home or wish you had around or that you try to smuggle back to Germany with you? Dulce. I miss snacking on a bag of salty dulce. I miss it so much. Um, I, oh my God. I didn't like Tim Hortons when I lived in Canada, but I, I was in Spain in May and I found a Tim Hortons there. And I, I, I bought everything I could. I spent a, a ridiculous amount of money. They didn't have everything the same. They did sell beer, however. So that really? was interesting. I mean, it's, it's Spain, it's Europe. You drink beer with your lunch, whatever. So it's it's a different approach to it. Um, but I, I just love going home and having a Tim's. The seafood, I miss so much. I miss the seafood so, so much. I mean, we're going, uh, we're going to Greece in September and I'm looking forward to having the seafood there, of course, but it's not an Atlantic lobster. It's just not the same. So, you know, things like that, um, I mean, I'm, I am pescatarian, so it's not like I've had a donair, so I can't really compare. I shouldn't have ever compared it. I don't want to get haters on the podcast. I'll take the heat on that. I'll take the heat because I, I will say, like, donair is great. Donor is also great. Mm -hmm. It just doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to be yeah. a side-by-side -side comparison. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, when it comes to drinks, I mean, I miss the tap water at home. You know, we have our own well at home, so it's just so nice and fresh. But if I'm going to be brutally honest, I don't miss the food so much aside from the seafood. Um, I digest everything a little bit better over Interesting. here. Um, you know, like I, I couldn't eat a lot of dairy at home, um, but I have no issue with dairy here. Um, and I mean, like last week, my neighbor came downstairs and she's Italian and she goes, I have this Parmigiano for you. And it was this giant block of fresh Parmesan that her mother brought from Rome or something. And I said to my husband, I'm so happy you live in Europe. Like, I just can't believe I have this in my fridge right now. So my diet might not be the typical maritime type of diet. Um, but I mean, 
like nothing beats going home and having a fresh lobster roll in the board, like down in the wharf or something. Just like a Tim's iced coffee. They just don't make iced coffee over here the way they do at home. I have to be honest. They really don't do it the same. <laughs> I, I, I find I learned so much from that question when I ask people. Um, so yeah, so it's interesting. Um, and it's, it's true. I, I, I don't, I'm not a big Tim's fan, but I could see wanting to, to go back to, to that if I was stripped away from it. Oh my God. I just want a box of Timbits sometimes. And I'm like, I've never craved that when I was home, but once you have it taken away from you, you that's when you want it. Like I never liked being in the middle of the forest until I was suddenly in the middle of the city. And then I was like, wouldn't it be nice to just go outside and see nothing, <laughs> you know? So it's just human nature in the middle of the summer we want winter in the middle of the winter we want summer we're never happy it's true i mean i th and i guess the sooner we accept that the more comfortable we'll just be about everything Ugh. until the next problem comes up but yes generally speaking that's the idea all right so we've reached we've reached the the stage the question that that i ask everybody it's um to to finish off the show i'm gonna give you the hypothetical situation that you only have 24 hours in nova scotia um i'm gonna remove the boundaries of time and space in the sense of like you, you pretend that you can just transport somewhere because we know that the trans we know okay. that driving places we don't have a rail system as wonderful as deutsche bahn um and <laughs> um but if you only had 24 hours in nova scotia what are you gonna jam into those hours before we throw you back on the plane to frankfurt um i never had the opportunity to visit cape breton I never had that opportunity. So I think I would get to the airport. I'd head into the city. I'd probably pick up a six pack of something. Um, I might even go to Canada, Nova Scotia and get some nice legal weed and go up to Cape Breton and actually see it for the first time. I didn't explore enough of my backyard while I was there. And I always thought I'd have time in the future. And then you realize time actually just can slip away. So I would probably do that. I'd spend my evening downtown Halifax in one of the restaurants. I mean, like I said, every time I go home, things are closed, new things are open, things have moved, things are being built. So it's very, um, I can't say where I would go for a drink or a meal or something, but I'd definitely be spending some time there. I'd go to the Halifax market, the farmer's market, love it so much. I'd probably go down to Chester, the Lunenburg area, maybe head over to Tan Cook Island. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, who knows? It's who knows? I mean, I'm, I'm missing Wolfville. I'd love to go there as well. And yeah, I'm glad that you're uh, loosening the restrictions of time because there's no chance you could get around the province. And I think that's my favorite thing about the question is because when you really start to, to process it, because I mean, I was guilty of exactly what you said. When I grew up here we barely explored the province like i literally had never seen peggy's cove until i came back with my wife after i was living away um it just like because you just it's your backyard it's like of course it's just there it's always going to be there um i never spent any time in cape breton growing up like we didn't go up there the only time we went was driving to sydney to get on the ferry to go to newfoundland um and so, you know, for us, we now do an annual trip up to Cape Breton. And it's like, I'm discovering a whole new province. Um, and so, yeah, I, I, I love to ask that question just because that's when you really start to realize, oh my God, like I, there's, I need so many hours to just even scratch the surface of this place. It's so challenging. And I mean, I always go home for two weeks and it's never enough time. 
it's never enough time. I mean, you forget about how much time you want to spend with your loved ones and your friends, but then you forget about how much time it takes to just spend in the place itself and really getting a feel for it. And yeah, I mean, maybe sometime in the future, I'll spend, you know, more time there or something. It's who knows, who knows what the future brings. I mean, I, COVID taught me just don't plan too far ahead anymore. Just see what happens. I think that's a good so, lesson. I mean, you probably didn't see yourself in Frankfurt. I didn't see myself hosting a podcast where I just talked about Nova Scotia all the time. It's just, we don't know where it's going. So yeah, I mean, the place isn't going anywhere. Um, and, uh, you know, we are always changing and growing, but the the core of Nova Scotia is always going to be here. So it's always here waiting for you when, when you get back. Oh, and I have to say, like, I always usually fly direct to Halifax and nothing excites me more than getting to the airport, going through passport control and dealing with like the straightforwardness of the Germans. Super efficient. Love it about them. But they, they don't care how you are. It doesn't matter to them. You're they're just there to do their job. But then I get to the gate and I start seeing some Sobeys reusable bags and some Superstore bags. And I'm like, I'm, my people are here. And then I get on the plane and there is nothing more contrasting than going from Frankfurt to Halifax and just seeing how friendly everybody is and just kind and approachable and wanting to help. And when they ask, they actually ask, how are you? Because they care. And I love that so much. I really do. It's just I think I look forward to that more than anything else, really, just because that's such that initial shock is so like, yeah, oh, I'm home. It's, yeah. And I don't know about so for nice. you. The thing for me was the smell of the air um, that that got me every single time when I'd get off the plane. It just. Yeah, actually, yes. Um, it, it took me years to realize why do people come to Canada for tourism? I, I, I didn't I didn't get people's fascination with nature because I grew up in it. I thought like, why do you want to look at a bunch of trees? I just, I don't understand this. But I did a backpacking trip years ago and my last stop was Iceland. And I remember getting off that plane and having spent two months in very highly dense European cities and being there, it clicked. I was like, this is why people go to Canada. They go here because it's isolated. It's remote. There's nice people. It's clean. It's, yeah. So no, I, I fully appreciate that part of traveling home too. You know, it's a, a bit more of a human way to travel when you when you get to to a place like Atlanta, Canada. You just it it no matter who you are, it brings out the uh, the the attitude of wanting to smile and nod at someone when you walk by them. Oh yeah, I mean, uh, my husband he's he's a bit of a runner, so every time we go home, he has people saying, "Hey, how are you?" And he's exhausted by the time he gets back. He's like, "Everybody talks to me," and I'm like, "Well, yes." That's the way we are, but also you're British; yeah. they want to talk to you. So. You're a fascination for them. <laughs> like you're foreign you know you're you're very exotic you have that accent (laughs) they're gonna want to ask you what do you think how do you like it here tell us what what your favorite thing is yeah oh he he quite likes it he really does like it so but I have to say Sean um he didn't really know much about Newfoundland uh before he met me and then I introduced him to you know this is Newfoundland I haven't personally been there this is their accent blah 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 and it's his goal, like, to meet a new female. Well, if you're ever so. around the province, I've got a mom who's always willing to talk. <laughs> so she would be the perfect introduction to Newfoundlanders for him. Oh, I will take you up on this. I promise you this will happen. So. 
No, Newfoundland is next level. Uh, the last story I'll say is I remember we went to Newfoundland, my wife and I, we went, and we went in, um, she did her master's through distance education to, with Memorial uh, University. And so we went for her, nice. her graduation, would have been back in like 2012 or something like that. And we went out to my mom's uh, hometown, Harbor, Maine, Newfoundland, the most like rural, small town fishing village, like an hour and a half outside of St. John's. And we did what every... No, like especially Maritimer, but especially Newfoundlander did. When we got there, I went to the cemetery to visit my relatives because that's what you do. Um, and, and so I went up to see my 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 grandparents' plot, and there were a bunch of guys there working on the 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 cemetery. And they saw me; they knew we weren't from there, and so they started chatting with me to kind of like suss out, just like, "Oh, who's this? What are they doing here?" And so I quickly mentioned about you know, my mom and everything like that. And right away, they're just like, oh, all the barriers came down. We got chatting and we left. And my wife looked at me. She's like, I did not understand a word of what the three of you said. She's like, what just happened? It was the most intense maritime experience she's ever had was it was just like, bam, I went Newfoundland. They went full Newfoundland. And she's, I actually had to tell her what we talked about. She's like, I don't know what you just talked about. I mean, it's it's interesting, isn't it? Like, you know, so much of the world speaks English and it is the same language, but the accent and just like the slang oh. and stuff, like just the smallest thing can throw you off. And I know I had uh, landlords in Halifax who were from Newfoundland as well. And I just smiled and nodded a lot of the time. Cause I, was like, I don't know what's going on, <laughs> but they're so nice. Yep. <laughs> and so... <laughs> It was so embarrassing. I think it set me up well for understanding how to get through life in Germany before I spoke the language. But yeah, <laughs> it was interesting. Oh, that is just that is just too good. So yeah, no, he he's definitely got a both of you need to experience Newfoundland in 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 real life. It's it's unlike anything you'll see. Yeah, it's it's definitely on my like to do list like with the, the near future before you know instagram yeah. ruins it well i think so. this this has been the most like maritime inclusive conversation i've had to date on the show because we you know you're a new brunswicker who came to nova scotia and we're we're ending off with some love for newfoundland <laughs> this has been a very atlantic canadian thing i'm super happy that we got to do this natalie oh i'm just like i'm just so thrilled to have been asked to you know be a guest on your podcast i've listened to most of your episodes and uh yeah i just i quite like seeing maritimers out in the world exploring different corners hearing what they're doing and just talking about home so oh thank you so i'm i know people are going to love hearing hearing your story i really appreciate you taking the time to to do that I, I learned a lot from it and uh the next time i get back to germany i can't wait to to meet you in person uh anytime i mean you have a guest room here you're more than welcome to stay with be us be, so. be careful when you offer that to an atlantic canadian because we will do it <laughs> No, and that's what I mean. Like, I actually mean it. Like, it's totally fine. And, you know, I'll make it as maritime as possible. I even have a map of Halifax in my living room here. So you'll feel Beautiful. completely at home. Looks like we got some plans. Natalie, thank you so much. <laughs> Great. Thank you so much, Sean. Take care. One of the things I've said uh, a few times on the show is just uh, 
you know, around one of the difficulties of when you leave a place like Nova Scotia and live somewhere else. And especially when you're drawn to stay connected to a place the way that Nova Scotia does is that you're, you're sort of living two lives. And, and I say this a lot, you know, either on the show or just face to face, I'm talking to people because you're living, you know, the life of where you, your physical address is now. So, you know, in, in Natalie's case, you know, she's in Frankfurt, so she's living that life. But then you're also living the second life where you're still a part of you is still living at home. And the thing I find interesting with Natalie is that she's not just living the two lives, she's almost living like three lives. She's she's living her life in Frankfurt. She has her home in, uh, in St. John, New Brunswick. And then she also feels this strong affinity for Nova Scotia. So I always find that fascinating to to see how people balance all those parts of themselves and how it, it makes them up who they are. And clearly she balances it very well uh, and feels really connected to Nova Scotia. So that that's always something I in, enjoy um, kind of listening to as, as we're going through these conversations. Um, and I also hope we didn't cause any controversy in the uh, donor versus donor debate. If anyone has, has had a donor in Germany. I'd love to hear your review. I, for me, I think it's delicious just that it's not Donair, but I've heard other people try to do the comparison. So in a completely not serious note, please tell me that. Um, but yeah, then the, the one other thing, just going back to what I said in, in the intro, um, the show does have a, a fairly large audience in Germany, which I find really fascinating. And so Natalie and I were talking about that, um, you know, offline when, when we weren't recording. Uh, and then interestingly, the day after uh, I, I recorded this conversation with Natalie, I actually met with a global blue noser who was back in Halifax from Munich, um, who I'm, I'm probably going to have to have him on the show pretty soon. Uh, he, uh, he filled his time coming from Munich back to Halifax, listening to episodes. So uh, he, by the time he met with me, I think he was really tired of hearing my voice, but Thank you, Hannes, for for actually powering through and then still meeting up with me. But as we were chatting, you know, the idea of, you know, could we do a meetup like we're doing in Dallas? Could we do a meetup somewhere in Germany since there seems to be more and more Nova Scotians or at least Maritimers with a connection to Nova Scotia uh, popping up as, as we talk and everything? So if you're one of the listeners in Germany and you have that connection to Nova Scotia, and you would love to see me put on one of the Global Blue Nosers meetups uh, in Germany somewhere. Potentially, we've been looking at Munich, but would love to hear everyone's opinions. So if you are one of those folks in in Germany, send me a note, let me know. Uh, Find me on LinkedIn or find my email address in the show notes uh, and send me a note and say, here I am. Uh, I'm a Global Blue Noser too, and you should definitely come to Germany because That'll let me know, uh, are there enough people to put something on? Because uh, I will take any excuse to get back to Germany and hitch a ride on Deutsche Bahn. So again, thanks to Natalie so much for joining the show. Uh, I hope everybody enjoyed it. Um, as you could tell, probably tell, I did, just like every conversation I really enjoy. Um, but yeah, thanks so much, everybody. Uh, I was off last week, so thanks for, for hanging on and coming back this week to listen to what I thought was a a really great conversation with Natalie. Global Blue Nosers is a Some Good Media and Entertainment production. It's hosted, edited, and produced by me, Sean Meister. All the music used on the show is by Ludenberg-based band Black Matilda. You can find the show on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn, so give us a follow. And if you enjoyed the show, I'd really appreciate a five-star review wherever you're listening today. 
And make sure to follow or subscribe on your favorite uh, platform so you never miss an episode. Thanks for listening, and I can't wait to welcome you back again next week.